morning, my name is Ash, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Church Bristol. Now, as a church, our vision is helping Bristol to believe. And fairly recently, we have communicated a number of five-year goals. These are goals which we believe will help us to make some strides towards fulfilling that vision. And uh, one of those goals relates to leadership. We are passionate about and committed to uh, developing godly men and women to lead and bring influence through various areas of life, in the home, in the community, in the church and in the workplace. And that's part of the reason why we are beginning this new teaching series entitled Disruptive Leadership. Now, I'm aware that even as I've mentioned that word leadership a few times this morning, some of you in your minds have already, um, you've already tuned out. You've already decided it's now time to stick the kettle on because this leadership thing isn't for me. It's for other people. I'm just going to clock out at this moment. I'm going to say, please don't clock out. I want to say that leadership impacts us all. You see, all of us, Um, are led by others and actually all of us in some measure bring leadership or influence to other people so leadership impacts us all we all have a vested interest in this we all have a contribution to make this is not for the select few now when it comes to leadership like many things in life there is a lot of value in hearing from the experts now I don't claim to be any expert but I know someone who is and his name is Jesus I believe him to be the expert and authority when it comes to leadership. And as we work our way through this teaching series, I believe that um, Jesus, the authority, has some things to say which will come as a surprise to many of us. I believe that he has some things to say which will um, disrupt our thinking and our living, which is a good thing, just by the way. I believe also that he will say some things which will bring deep comfort and joy to many of us. And today, as we begin the series, we're actually starting off thinking about the heart of a leader. And we begin here because we believe this to be absolutely foundational, absolutely at the core of leadership and all that will follow in the series. And the way that it's going to work is we're going to use some events from the Bible and we're going to use these events as a window in to Jesus's school of leadership. And um, we're going to work our through it. It's going to be three sections or three lessons, I suppose, in his school of leadership. Um, so if you are ready, please do take your seats. The school bell is about to ring. And um, let's uh, go for lesson number one. And lesson number one is a positive instruction. And it's taken from Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 37. Now, Mark uh, was a man who lived around 2,000 years ago, so the the time of Jesus. He wrote an account of the life of Jesus, and that account has found its way into our Bibles today. Now, before we get into the specific words of Mark, I want to give a little bit of background. So at this point, Jesus had been travelling to a place called Capernaum with his followers. And as he travelled, Jesus reminded his followers that he would soon one day die and rise again. He reminded them because it wasn't the first time that he had said this. He had mentioned multiple times with them that he would one day die and rise again. But Jesus' followers didn't really understand what he was talking about and they were afraid to ask him, which makes perfect sense. Put yourself in their shoes. Um, How do you bring that kind of thing up in conversation? So it's at this point that we dive into the words of Mark, and this is what he says. He says, and they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? 
but they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. You know, these guys have been on the road. They've been traveling. They've had a long journey. And, you know, I find that long journeys can often prompt very interesting conversations. I've been on quite a few long journeys uh, with people myself in the car, um, on a coach, and in a train. Um, I've, I've had many of these experiences where you rifle through, you roll through loads of different conversation topics. And on this particular um, uh, long journey, Mark, our writer, notes for us a one very interesting conversation that is had uh, between the followers of Jesus. In fact, it is so interesting, it's so lively, it's actually described as an argument. You see, the disciples had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. I'm going to say that again. They'd been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Now, does that not sound absolutely ridiculous to you? These are followers of Jesus. They had travelled with Jesus. They'd seen him, for example, um, enable a blind man to see again. Um, they um, would have, um, some of them would have witnessed or heard about the time where he um, spoke, literally spoke to a storm and, and with his words stopped the storm. They would have been aware about the time when Jesus fed thousands of people with the equivalent of a few loaves of bread and some fish fingers. Okay, so these same guys, these same followers were having a conversation among themselves about who was the greatest. It sounds absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, maybe it's not quite as ridiculous as it seems at first. You see, the, these followers or the Bible uses another word, disciples. And um, what they would have done is they, they, they um, would have followed and tried to imitate their leader or their teacher. That, that's what a, a, a disciple would have done with a rabbi. Jesus was often described as a, as a rabbi. They would have followed and imitated their teacher. It's a little bit like in Star Wars, for example. In Star Wars, you have a Padawan or an apprentice, and, a, and an apprentice would, would follow and learn from the master. They would, like to, they would want to be just like the master. And that's what we find with these guys. They wanted to be just like Jesus. And I do wonder, with all of this, this, this talk about Jesus, you know, dying and, and rising again, all of this talk that didn't really make much sense, I do wonder whether in their minds they were thinking, well, okay, well, if Jesus is off the scene, well, what's going to happen with this ministry or this work that we've been involved in? It's really good stuff. Surely, you know, it can't come to an end if, if Jesus is going to be out of the picture off the scene. Which one of us is next in line? Which, which one of us is kind of next in line to take that spot and to, to lead things forward? You know, I've, um, I've had uh, the experience of working in an organisation where um, over time different people would hand their notice in. They, ha they would um, maybe found a job elsewhere and they'd be moving on. And it wouldn't take long before the, the whispers, you'd hear the whispers of different people um, applying for that vacant job. And um, there'd be something that, you know, would happen in my heart, if I'm entirely honest, where I'd start to think, OK, well, I hear that that person's applying for that job. OK, well, I've got a bit more experience in them. I've got some more skills in them. I, I want to go for the job myself. I, I think I'm in a fairly strong position. And then you hear about someone else and you, you, you think to yourself, well, oh, actually, oh, I, I don't quite know where I, where I rank. I don't, quite where I, I don't know quite where I am on the pecking order. 
And I do wonder whether there was a bit of that going on with these guys. They were trying to rank themselves in terms of who would be next or who would take his position. You know, it is possible to desire position without understanding purpose. And maybe these guys, they wanted the position of Jesus without understanding his purpose or his heart. And it can be the same for each and every one of us. So these guys arrive in Capernaum, they enter the house and Jesus asks a question that he knows the answer to. Now, friends, this is not the first time. Jesus often asks, asks questions that he knows the answer to. And when he asks these questions, it's not so much for information. Oftentimes, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity not to gain information, but to um, take people to a place of reflection that will move to transformation. And as a dad, I can say, I, I often find myself in this mode asking questions that I know the answer to. And my goal is to help my son to think about what he's saying, to think about what he's doing, so that maybe eventually as he thinks about it and we talk about it, we move from that to transformation, to change thinking and change living. I believe that's what we have here with Jesus. He is demonstrating, in fact, excellent leadership. He leads in a wonderfully warm and fatherly way. These guys have been talking about which one of them is the greatest. And rather than rubbishing them, rather than getting really mad and really angry, he is really warm and tender and fatherly and seeks to bring transformation. He seeks to disrupt them in a good way. And there are two things that Mark, our writer, notes for us, which I think we ought to bring our attention to. And they're found in, in verse 35. He says, Mark says that Jesus gathers the 12 to him. Now, amongst the, the large group of followers, disciples that he had, there was, a, there was a group of 12 who were his closest guys. These were the guys that Jesus spent most time with and invested most intensely in. And this is that Jesus gathered the 12 to him. And you can almost get a sense of kind of like what the atmosphere might have been like in the room. Have you ever had the, the, um, the, the kind of experience or situation where um, someone who, who knows you and loves you and cares for you, you know, looks you in the eye and says, look, we need to talk, okay? We need to have a conversation. I think that's kind of a little bit what we're, what we're getting here with these guys, okay? He knows the ridiculous thoughts that are going on in their minds and, he, and yet he gathers them in, guys, Come on over, come on over, let's, let's bring it in, okay? We need to have a conversation. So he gathers the 12 in, but Mark also notes that Jesus takes a seat at this point. And that might seem like a, you know, unimportant thing to, to mention to you. Um, but, but I think there's a reason that Mark notes this for us. You see, a Jewish preacher or teacher of the time would not have uh, taught from a, from a position standing up. That's just not what they do. They would have been sat down to be seated was the position of authority. So it's almost as if Mark is indicating for us that what's going to come next isn't just some, some helpful hints and tips or some anecdotes or jokes from Jesus. Actually, what he's about to say is meaty, it's significant, it is authoritative. And that's exactly what we get from Jesus. He leads in a wonderfully fatherly way and he says this, he says, if anyone would be first, hit the pause button right there. Now, friends, this is exactly what they've been yearning to hear, okay? They, they want to know, what does it look like to be Jesus? What does it look like to be in the lead? What does it look like to, to be that person? They would have been there. They've been all eyes, all ears. They'd have had their notepads out, okay? 
Imagine it'd be like the equivalent of, um, for those of you who are familiar with Kentucky Fried Chicken, it might be the equivalent of Colonel Sanders, the founder of KFC, gathering his team around and saying, guys, okay, I'm going to pass it on to you. I'm going to pass on the secret of the 11 herbs and spices, the thing that has made KFC, KFC, I'm about to pass it on to you, okay? The, the atmosphere would have been palpable in that room. They would have all been listening, okay? So his disciples, his 12, were listening intently. And in fact, we'd all do well to listen at this point. Okay, let's hit play. So Jesus says, if anyone would be first, they must be last of all and servant of all. Now that is a mic drop moment right there. I'm not sure that many leadership courses would say that. That's not the kind of thing that you find in leadership podcasts or blogs or courses. And yet Jesus says it. You see, Jesus is defining what is at the heart of true leadership. Jesus is being disruptive to their way of thinking and living. He is just being disruptive to their perspective on leadership. And I believe that this morning he's probably being disruptive to our perspective and view on leadership. Whereas many of us would tend to think, when we think about leadership, we tend to think about role and status and position. Jesus is taking an entirely different course. He is defining what is at the heart of true leadership. And he is describing a posture of service. You know, a car, uh, our car we recently took in for an MOT and the, the, the mechanic um, said that there were some issues with the tracking. And essentially what that means is even when the, the steering wheel is in a neutral position, uh, the the, the, the Wheels weren't quite well aligned, which means that the car would always pull to one direction. There was a posture to the car. Jesus is describing the posture of the leader. And it's as though he's saying that, you know, so any computer would have an operating system, right? It's as though Jesus is saying that a servant heart is the operating system that he desires in every leader, in every context. Different people, different places, different times, in the home, in the church, in the community, in the workplace, same heart, same operating system. Servants, looking to the good of other people before yourself. You know, when um, I've applied for a few jobs in my time, and oftentimes when you get a job application packed through, there'll be the person specification. You have two columns usually. One, you'd have the, the essential column. And in that column, there'll be things that you um, either need to have achieved or, you know, quali particular qualifications that, that, that you need to have done in order to even get to interview stage. And then you have the desirable section. These are things that you don't need to have done or achieved, but they're helpful in kind of setting you above other people. I want to say that when it comes to leadership, a servant heart, a servant mentality sits squarely in the essential column. This is not just kind of cherry on the top territory. This is at the heart of leadership. It's like the, 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 like the eggs and the flour in the cake. You take the eggs and the flour out, you've got no cake. You've just got a puddly mess. This is absolutely at the heart. And I, I want to say to us that we, we, we ought to expect better of ourselves and others uh, when it comes to this. We ought to work and pray towards better, both in the church and outside of the church as well. This needs to be a high priority for us. It needs to be in our very bones which begs the question, what does it look like? How do we get this stuff into our bones? Well, we're going to move now to lesson two. And lesson two is a practical insight. I had the privilege of having a conversation with Jess Welshman uh, last week. And we, we got into um, some of the, some, what, what some of this uh, looks like in real 
life. So let's head to lesson two, practical insights, conversation with Jess Welshman. Well, so Jess, as um, as followers of uh, Jesus, we we model our lives on him, don't we? And and I know that people from across the church lead and bring influence in loads of different areas in in the community, um, in the family, in the workplace, and in the church. Um, but I suppose as followers of Jesus, our, our leadership ought to look different. It, it ought to be distinct in some ways. And I, I just love to hear from you, Jess, as someone who I know you, you bring leadership in loads of different areas. Um, I'd love to hear from you about what's, what is distinct about the leadership of, of, of Jesus? How is it different from a lot of what we see and experience nowadays? Uh, such a good question, Ash. Um, I think when we hear the word leadership, probably in our culture, it makes us often think about seniority and management and kind of business and people kind of having reached some kind of level and it maybe has like associations with hierarchy and things like that and um, Jesus just did things completely and utterly differently because he's obviously king of kings and alpha and omega but he came and redefined leadership as being a servant which is totally different to like our mindset in the world but I think our mindset in the world is when we think of leadership is we often just think about achievement um but Jesus just completely redefined leadership as serving and and I think we often think about leadership as about what what do we do um Mm. and what we achieve but actually I think if we look at the way Jesus did things and how he did it differently it was about who he was and his leadership came out of his identity he knew who he was he knew where he'd come from and he knew where he was going so Jesus was the most secure man that had ever lived you know he was totally secure in the love of his father he absolutely knew that he was loved and he was totally secure in where he'd come from um, and he was totally secure in where he was going he knew that he was going to return to heaven one day And so his time on earth, he was able to give himself completely and wholly um, to what the father was asking him to do without any of the things that maybe can distract us or trouble us because um, he was just really secure. He knew like he was absolutely loved. And um, so he just did things in a really, really different way because he wasn't needing to prove anything to anybody else. Um, He wasn't needing to strive to be something because he knew oh I'm really loved I am totally loved um the father delights in me I'm going to go back to heaven one day um actually there's rewards for me in heaven which we're told in the bible there's rewards for for all of God's children in heaven and so Jesus motivation for serving which is really another word for leading um came from this real place of security and so when Jesus was leading He was doing things in a completely different way because he was laying his life down to lift other people up. Um, And you can do that when you're really, really secure. When you're really secure and you know that you're really loved, you can serve and you can step away from the limelight. You can do things that nobody else is going to see. You can serve in the secret place. You can take risks. um, You're happy to give things a go because you're like, wow, I'm loved so I can take this risk I can do this thing because this isn't what 
defines me as a person, whether I'm seen or known, um, actually I'm serving. And, and so Jesus, when he served, I think about the way he served, he lifted other people up and he brought other people forward and he brought dignity to other people. And the things he, um, the way he led people was that he always led people towards the father. So he wasn't yeah. leading people towards himself. He wasn't bringing glory to himself. He was doing things. He was serving people. He was leading people in a way that they would discover the father. So the way he led was very, not looking at himself, but it was like the father, the father. And Jesus was able to do that because he knew he was so loved and he knew the father had so much love to give. So he was wanting to bring people to the father. And so I think in thinking about the way Jesus leads different to maybe the way the world leads is he was always doing things to take glory to the father. He wasn't trying to do anything for himself and he could give very generously. He could give all of himself because he He was receiving so much love from the Father. He was so secure in that. And so he was able to give of himself again and again and again. And when he knew he was running low, he would go and spend time away from everyone and spend time with his Father again. So he'd get topped up. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't kind of leading in his own strength or serving in his own strength. He was able to give from what he'd received. Um, So I think that's like the major difference. It was that he he led as a son. So, and I think that changes everything because um, he had nothing to prove. He just knew he was loved um, and nothing was going to take away. And actually, if somebody was to do really well, um, that was great. That just brought him joy. Um, yeah. Was, you know, yeah. That's, that's, that's so, so helpful, Jess. I, I, I wonder, because um, it's interesting, we, we, um, there are certainly in, in my life and my experience, there are people who have led and influenced me from, from a bit of a distance sometimes at, at times. And the Bible talks about... Um, there's a leader in the Bible called Paul, and, and he says to some some Christians, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And um, I, I just wonder whether for you, Jess, there were maybe some examples of of people that, you know, you, you've tried to imitate as they've imitated Jesus, people who've, you, you know, led you. It'd be lovely to just hear uh, a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I love that you just shared that, that verse, because actually that's, that is what a Christian is. It's a little Christ where... We're, we're meant to be copycats of Jesus. And um, we're, if you're a Christian, you're Jesus' brother, you're Jesus' sister. And so um, in wanting to sort of aspire in leadership and wanting to be like Jesus, um, we're wanting to look, look like him. And I think for me, this will sound quite cheesy, but my mum has really shown me what it is to, uh, to lead. And she's a very gentle um quiet person she's not um in the limelight she's not kind of upfront but she has just loved the people that Jesus has put in her life she's loved the people in need as she's come across them she's opened her home up to people she's always shared from what she's had so we've got you know as much space as uh people wanting to come so that she would never have her resources or to be the thing that would define her generosity or her hospitality. And, um, and she's just been faithful, 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 um, in loving uh, the people around her. And she's, she's a real evangelist as well, but she wouldn't call herself evangelist, but she would tell people about Jesus wherever she is, the dentist, the hairdresser. And she's always said, 
oh, I think I've got a bit of a childlike faith. She would describe that. I mean, she's a mighty woman. She's amazing. But um, she she would say, oh, I just feel like I'm quite childlike. I've just always known that Jesus loves me and that that's just carried her through her life. And actually, she's had quite a difficult life. Um, but she's modelled to me what it is to to serve Jesus and to be a leader is just to love the people around you and to trust in God. A bit like I was saying about Jesus was secure. He knew he loved, he was loved. He knew he was a child of God. I think my mum, I see that in her. She knows she's a child of God. And so she's just been able to love those around her. Um, And actually what that's meant is she's now leading quite a lot of things that she would never have thought of herself. And she would feel like, who am I to speak at this event? Or who am I to... She would be like, how has that happened? But she's never looked for a position. She's just um, tried to be faithful and to love the people around her. Amazing. Amazing. That is it. That, I think that's such an encouragement, isn't it? Because as you say, we often think of leadership in terms of uh, position and status and, and all of that. But, you know, ultimately it, it, it comes out of identity. Our activity springs from our identity. And like you say, we see that perfectly perfectly in Jesus I just I just wonder Jess just whether just to um to close um you just might be able to help us to think think a little bit about what it what it looks like to you know to know that love of God and experience that love of God and and have that kind of servant heart developed in us I wonder whether you'd had an, have anything for us on that yeah I think just the Jesus talks about you know he who's faithful with a little will be faithful with much and I think we're wanting to become more like Jesus I think we want to be faithful Jesus was really faithful like God had given him a job to do on earth and Jesus was faithful with that with that job and um but Jesus probably in his life had to be faithful with a lot of things building up to the cross do you know what I mean it was not like uh he just had this one thing to do and the bible talks about you know um god has prepared good works in advance for his people to do and um god has prepared good works for everybody to do which is amazing it's not like some people have got uh things that god has for them and some people don't god has prepared many many things and um the measure of those things is not in how big they are because jesus sees our heart mm. and um Bible talks about the uh, the Lord loves a cheerful giver and God's put gifts and talents in everybody and what he's interested in is our heart so when we're asked to do something or when we see someone in need or when we can see that something needs to be done he he sees our heart response is it like how can I serve how can I bless um and and our willingness to do that he sees that so I think for people that are wanting to to be more like Jesus and lead like Jesus that means about being more of a servant and Jesus was always how can I bless what can I do and I think being faithful in the little then God will give you more and and I think as well just remembering that um we serve in the eyes of Jesus like nothing is lost in his sight and what's precious to him is our heart and our faithfulness and there's so 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 many millions of things that Christians have done over the years that would have been unseen but the father saw it and he delighted in them and he knew the cost that's the thing he knows the cost and I think there's probably people even watching this right now 
and it has cost them maybe even to to put on the TV this morning, it has cost them. It's been difficult, might have been a battle to get it on. Uh, Jesus sees the cost and and I think don't measure yourself ever against other people. Um, but be faithful in the small things um, and, 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 and think, how, what would Jesus, I think that would be the other leadership thing, like, you know, how can I grow in leadership? Think, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond in, in this moment? How would he speak about this person or for this person? And I think the things that we do in the secret place, um, that's how we grow as a leader as well, as a servant. What we do in the secret place is probably more important than what we do in the public place. Okay, so lesson three is um, we've had a perfect, um, uh, sorry, we've had a positive instruction, we've had practical insight. Lesson three is a perfect example, and it's taken from Philippians chapter two, verses three through to 11. And again, just to give some background. So uh, there's a church leader called Paul who was around, he lived around 2,000 years ago, and he writes from prison to encourage a church in a place called Philippi. And Paul in this letter um, hopes to disrupt their thinking and their living uh, in a few areas. And, and in particular, Paul is aware of a, a relational difficulty between two leaders in the church. Now, Paul had all of the leadership credentials. He, this, is the, this is kind of like the guy that everyone would have, would have looked up to. He had all the certificates, all the achievements. All, he was that guy, okay? But in terms of the way that he leads and influences this church in this circumstance, he doesn't point to himself, he doesn't point to all of his credentials, but he points to something very specific in the life of Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at now. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through to 11 says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, what we see in this passage, and in fact what we see uh, across the entirety of the Bible, is that Jesus had privilege, power, and position. These are terms, these are concepts which we have often used over the past year or 18 months. But I want to be clear, Jesus had privilege, power and position. We are, we are told that he was in the form of God, that he had equality with God. Jesus is God. He had all and has all authority. In fact, that his very words, the, the heavens and the earth were created. But what do we see of others who have privilege, power and position? What do they do with it? Well, the reality is from what we have seen and experienced, far too often power, privilege and position are used by those in leadership to, to dominate and to diminish and to bring repression and to uh, basically enrich uh, the leader themselves. We've seen far too many horrendous examples of leadership. And it is saddening. It is very saddening. 
And in, in fact, even we can begin to look at ourselves and we, we can begin to reflect on ourselves and how do we use privilege, power and position? And the reality is all of us have some measure of privilege, power and position. And if we're entirely honest with ourselves, we need to put our hands up and say, do you know what? I've not always used those things well. I've not always used those things for the benefit of others. Oftentimes I've used those things for my own self, for my own comfort, for my own joy. So when we reflect on ourselves, and when we reflect on all of the examples that we see of poor leadership, all the examples that we see of domination and repression, we can end up very wary of leadership. We can almost begin to wonder, is leadership itself inherently a bad thing? Shall we just do away with this leadership thing? Is it possible to have good leadership? And I want to say, look, friends, I, I completely understand. I absolutely understand that. And I want to say that there are, there are two things that we ought to do. We, first, we actually ought to grieve. We ought to be bothered by a lot of what we see and what we hear. Because G, sorry, God is bothered. The Bible is absolutely clear from cover to cover how bothered God is when leaders take position and they use it to dominate and bring repression and to essentially stamp people into, into the ground. God is grieved by this. So yes, we ought to be grieved by these things. But I want to say alongside being grieved, I want to say that we ought to let Jesus define and exemplify what it looks like to use power and privilege and position. Let him define, let him exemplify those things. And we need to ask the question, what was his posture? How did he use privilege, power and position? You see, when we look at this particular passage, what we see is that, friends, the high and lofty one came low. We see that the great king became a carpenter. We see that the very creator stepped into his own creation. We see that though he was the very word of God, he studied and obeyed the word of God. We see that though he had no sin, he carried our sin on the cross. We see that though he was worthy of all honour and all glory, he received, uh, he was despised and disparaged by those he came to save. We see that this very Jesus died on a cross, was put in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. He eventually ascended to heaven and he will return to judge the living and the dead. Friends, Jesus doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. You may be familiar with the concept of imposter syndrome. Many of us in life feel like with some of the things that we're doing, we think, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm surprised that nobody's found me out yet. But one day, someone, someone is going to realise I don't really know what I'm doing in life. And I'm just kind of making it up as I go along. Can I just say that Jesus has never had imposter syndrome. He is, he is never kind of boasted uh, above what he's able to achieve or what he has achieved. Jesus doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. You see, Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. You see, in Jesus, when we look back to Jesus, this is the one, this is the leader who would lead us from death to life from condemnation to freedom, from being an enemy of God to being a son or daughter of God. This is the Jesus who, who would lead us from where we are to where we need to be. And how would he do it? He would do it by serving. Friends, our greatest need in life is to have our sins, our wrongdoings forgiven, to have the barrier between us and God removed. 
And that's what Jesus, this leader, does. If you want an example of leadership, a perfect example of leadership, you will do no better than to look at Jesus himself. He leads by serving. And I've said it already this morning, uh, leadership impacts us all. How we respond to the leadership of Jesus impacts all of us for all of eternity. So in close, I want to ask you a question. In terms of what we see and hear of Jesus, in terms of what he has said and what he has done, is he not worthy? Will you not follow him? Is he not worthy? Will you not follow him? Is this not the kind of leader that we can all get behind and follow? The kind of leader who... who, who doesn't dominate, who doesn't bring repression, who doesn't stamp us into the ground, but lifts us up and takes us to where we need to be, who takes on himself the punishment that should rightly fall on each and every one of us. Is he not worthy to be followed? And to follow him really means two things. It means, firstly, it means to receive him, to receive him as king, to receive him as the one who is authoritative over our lives. It's also to receive him as rescuer, to to put our hands up and say, look, I know that I've fallen short of God's perfect standards. I've fallen short of my own standards. I know that the only way that I can be on good terms with God is by entrusting myself to Jesus and what he did on the cross. So to, to follow him means to receive him as king and rescuer, but it also means to imitate him. Again, it's that picture of the apprentice and the master. It means to follow him. And none of us can follow him perfectly. But you know, there's a wonderful promise in the Bible that those of us who do receive him as king and as rescuer, he says that that, that God sends to us or gives to us his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changes our hearts, changes our desires, changes our affections and makes us more like Jesus day by day. And friends, this is why we are so passionate about leadership. Simply, we, we, you know, our heart and our desire is to give every person in Bristol and in fact across the world as much of an opportunity to turn to him and receive him as king and rescuer and then to imitate him and then to call other people to receive him as king and rescuer and to imitate him and so on and so on and so on and so on. That is why we take leadership seriously as a church. So I'm going to end with that same question again. Is he not worthy? Will you follow him?